You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. Well, I hope you're excited for the Word of God this morning. Pastor came in this morning. Uh, he's a retired pastor, semi-retired. Uh, the, uh, this is the Bogards. This is Sarah's dad. And, uh, and he says, man, I'm excited for the word. And uh, me too. And uh, we are, we've been on a journey through the book of Acts that started in January. And as of today, it's like we're coming in for a landing. It's the start of the end. It's like the landing gear is coming down and we're going to bring this thing to a close. We're not landing today, but next Sunday, Lord willing, we will finish our journey through the book of Acts. And uh, are you excited about that? Good, I hope so. It's been a great, great journey. We broke down the book of Acts into four sections, and we're in the final section, of course. We started with the idea of being created with purpose, and then we moved to that we got to find our purpose. And once we find our purpose, then we live on purpose. And now we're in the idea that there's something that they cost something, the cost of purpose. And the reality, as we've studied this, is that when we understand that we were created and we're living on purpose, it should cost us everything. God is looking for people that are total surrendered. And I want you to know that that is an impossibility on your own without the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Turn with me to the very beginning of Acts, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I want to read a verse that we've looked at over and over and uh, it's going to kind of come alive again this morning. And uh, the idea that if we are, are uh, fully committed to the Lord, everything we think about, everything we do, everything we say, if we're committed to the Lord, that it's all surrounded, uh, we can't do that on our own except when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Look what it says. It said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And what will the result look like? What did it look like for the Apostle Paul? We're going to talk about that this morning. But what does it look like for each and every one of us when the Holy Spirit comes on us? It says, you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, you will live on purpose. But don't be fooled, it will cost you something. There's a cost that comes with that type of living. Paul is fulfilling this call in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. The purpose of his life was to share the good news and he was on task, but it was fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you cannot separate the two. Now, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at Paul and his opposition and his trials and his testimony. And I mentioned last week that it's kind of it was a little bit like the same thing repeated over and over. But today, when we get to Acts chapter 27, the author of the book of Acts, which is Luke, he changes focus and he balances the speeches that Paul has been giving and brings this action-packed, drama-filled end to the book of Acts. And I, it's, a, it's like a refreshing. I love it. And uh, we are going to study the voyage and the shipwreck today and then the last bit uh, next week. And what we're going to see is that Paul was a courageous leader. And uh, he's it's someone that God used to take control in a very difficult situation. Uh, Paul stepped up. And so without further ado, let's turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 27. 
And in the first 12 verses, I'm not going to read those, but I want to just summarize it for you. What's happening here is Paul is sailing for Rome. He's headed to Rome, and uh, he had been promised that he would make it there, and he kind of bounces around. He's a prisoner of war, uh, not prisoner of war, but uh, he's a prisoner in chains, and he's on his way to Rome, and, uh, and he he's, goes from one ship to the next to the next, and he's not alone. He actually has a little entourage with him, including Luke. He includes himself in this writing, and he's not only... Uh, he's not the only prisoner. About a third of the boat were prisoners. That's what uh, some commentators estimate. And for those prisoners and the Apostle Paul, it was kind of like a death sentence, a death march to get there. They, many of those prisoners would have been already tried and convicted, and they were headed uh, to Rome to, for capital punishment. And, and so it wasn't a very pretty picture. And uh, they go in and out of these different ports, and you might read the first few verses, and you read places like Cyprus and Sicilia and Pamphylia and Crete, and I just want to kind of give you a picture that if it was Lake Michigan, which Lake Michigan is so small compared to the Mediterranean that's there, but it would be like they started in Benton Harbor and made their way to Saugatuck and ended up in Grand Haven, went over to Milwaukee and then ended up in Traverse City. And the people that would have read, originally read this, they would have understood right where they were. And the point is that they were making their way to Rome. And God had a purpose for that. Now, the time of the year, it was late in the season, and it was dangerous to travel in that time of the year. Um, the wisdom would have been to stay put until spring. In fact, Paul stood up in verse 10 and said, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to the ship and to the cargo and to our own lives as well also. And, uh, and he says this, they don't give any regard, it says, but the centurion, instead of listening to Paul, he followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, they couldn't stay there. The majority decided that they would sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. And so they head on out, and in that moment, and then what we're going to read is that they encountered this incredible storm that didn't last just for hours, but for days. And it moved them uh, for it moved them along. We'll kind of get there in a second. But as I was praying and just kind of meditating on this story, it reminded me of a story of my growing up. Um, I've shared maybe a few times that growing up, we had uh, boats growing up. We had a bunch of different boats. My dad would buy and sell them, clean them, and uh, get them running good, and we'd enjoy those. And we had a small little boat when I was eight or nine years old. And for the day, we decided to go from Detroit, right, down the Detroit River, across Lake Erie to Put-in-Bay. And some of you are thinking, where is that? Well, it's about 30 miles away across the open water. So we made our way there. We enjoyed our day. Um, and uh, I was remembering this story. And then on the way back, we encountered this storm. And I didn't want to you know, embellish the story. I wanted to kind of be factual. So I, I reached out to my mom and dad, and I called them. And they're in Costa Rica. And they answered the phone, which I was like, what? But anyway, I'm like, mom, can you just remember, send me an email with some of the details from this storm that we encountered. And she said, oh, I'd be happy to. And so she sent me, I'm not going to read all of it because she went into a lot of detail, but, uh, but 
But I remember this story, and maybe you have a story where you've been caught out on the open water and it's been scary. Anybody been there? Like, you've been out there? Yeah, so a few of you have. For the rest of you, maybe you can just imagine uh, my family out on the open water on an 18 foot, 18 and a half foot cuddy cabin boat um, traveling back from Putin Bay to, to Detroit, and we took off in one and a half to two foot feet of waves, which is which was not that bad. It was a beautiful sunny day, but my parents said that the wind had been kicking up and it continued to kick up and the waves began to grow and grow. And about a half an hour out, the waves began to get bigger and bigger, my mom wrote. The sun was shining the entire time because the waves were so close in frequency. When dad would drive up the one side of the wave, you could uh, when you could, would come down the backside of the wave and got to the bottom of it, at that point, we were met by the next wave crashing over the hull and rolling over the windshield and soaking all of us. Can you imagine that? So we're down at the low end of the wave, and the next one's right there, and crash and just completely soaking us over and over. Now, on the way there, it took us about an hour and a half. On the way back, it was a five-and-a-half-hour journey. And this is what my mom wrote. She said, Ben, that's me, stood next to dad holding the compass with his hands because it was not mounted. It says he never wavered once from the position. <laughs> that's me. That's what my mom said. And I remember that, I standing with my mom, my sisters were kind of in the back seats, and uh, with my mom, my one sister was like hysterical, she wanted, she was like, we're going to die, and like was going to jump out, my mom's holding her back, my other sister, Corey, was throwing up, and my mom says, Corey began throwing up the delicious spaghetti dinner, and, uh, and, uh, and, but the waves were coming. We turned on the, the bilge, which is like to get the water out of the boat. And for a while it kept up, but the waves were coming and so much water. Uh, my mom estimated 200 to 300 gallons. I don't know how she would know that, but uh, I remember the water coming up into the floorboards, uh, above the floorboards. And so the whole bottom of the boat was full of water. My sisters and my mom were like bailing water out with whatever they could. And my dad, it mentions here that he was at the helm. He was praying, encouraging. He was worried that the waves were so high and then so low. Lake Erie is a low, it's only like 10 to 15 feet deep for most of the lake, uh, which is hard to believe. But he thought we were going to bottom out. And then he was worried that there would be so much water in the engine compartment that it would, it would cause the engine to stall. Thank God it didn't. Uh, and long story short, uh, we made it across the lake five and a half hours, and it was one of the scariest moments of my life. Um, and I remember it very, very clearly. My mom wrote this at the end of her email. She said, moments like this definitely help a family bond together. I'm like, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. And then she knew I was talking about the storm, and she writes, he took us through the storm, praise the Lord. And then she said, P.S., make sure everyone knows that everyone in the boat had a life vest on <laughs> and the entire time. And so we were safe. But anyway, so I was remembering this story. And then I went back to read Acts chapter 27. 
And I thought, man, how could, it came alive to me. Like, I've been there. I've been in a storm where I thought we were going to lose our lives. We weren't sure that we were going to make it. After first service, uh, George Richards, bless his heart, he came up to me, and he's telling me uh, while he's walking out, he's like, man, we were in a storm on Lake Michigan like that, and we thought we were going to die. And some of you have had a story like that. And then Linda, his wife, uh, comes with her walker, and she says, we almost died because of him. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, oh, man. And so, so anyway, I was thinking, how can we bring this story to life? And so what I want to do is I want to, over the next few moments, I want to take you to the storm. And what I want to do is I want to kind of animate this. I want us to experience this. Uh, now, there, it says in, in, the, in the scripture that we're going to read that, um, that there were about 276 people on board. And some commentators believe that a third of them were prisoners. And so I'm wondering which third wants to be the prisoners here. All right, over here. Okay. Josh is saying over here. And they're pointing over here. I guess it's you guys. All right. So you're going to be the prisoners. All right. And then at one point, they're going to be throwing over the cargo. Uh, And so when this gets to your point and you're going to be throwing over the cargo, this is how you throw over the cargo. So you're going to just go ahead, just practice with me like this. Okay. And then then at one point, they don't throw over just the cargo. They throw over the tackle. And I'm not sure the difference, but and so same thing over here. You guys are going to be throwing over the tackle, okay? Just setting all this up. And, uh, and then at the end of the story, everybody included, it says this. I'm going to give away the spoil alert, but it says, in this way, everyone reached land safely. So don't worry, we're not going to lose anyone this morning. And at that point, when I read that last sentence, we've got to scream and shout and high five each other, and uh, we'll see if it works. It was kind of okay for service. I'm expecting you guys to do much better. All right, okay. So here we go. I want you to close your eyes and just listen, and then we'll experience this together. It says, When the gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Can you hear it? Can you feel it? It says, Before long, the wind of a hurricane force called a northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and we were driven along. You scared yet? <laughs> Can you just kind of rock back and forth with me here? It says, it says the ship was caught along. Uh, we gave way to it. As we passed to the lee of the, of the small island of Cauda, we were, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted the lifeboat aboard and they passed ropes underneath the ship itself to hold it together. This was a bad storm. You can open your eyes. It says, because they were afraid that they would run aground on the sandbar, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. So we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw cargo overboard. All right, cargo. All right, a couple of you guys got it. All right, cargo. All right, cargo's going overboard. It says this, on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard. The third day. There we go. You got it over here. When the sun, neither the sun nor the stars appeared for many days, the storm continued raging, and we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Now, I know you know the end, but give me your worst, we're not going to make it. And turn to your neighbor, we're not going to make it. Three days. 
says, after they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up and before them, he said, men, you should have taken my advice to not sail from Crete. Then you would not then you would have spared yourself and this damage and the loss. And now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Okay, that's encouraging. He says, last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. Everyone go, whew. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. On the 14th night. Now, this is crazy. Not two days or six days or even a week. But for the 14th night, we're still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. When about midnight, the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took surroundings, or they took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. Someone say, it's 120 feet! They went a short time later, they took another sounding again and found it 90 feet deep fear that they would be dashed against the rocks. They dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors uh, left, left, or left the, uh, the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending that they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes and that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. There goes their help. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. So just rub your belly for a second here. I urge you to take some. Not one of you will lose a single hair from your head. Too late for some of you, I see. Okay. They were all encouraged. They ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 on board. And when they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the rest of the food into the sea. Just do it. Get rid of it. You're already full. This is it. It's coming to an end. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. This is it. This is their one chance. Then they hoisted the four sails to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move and the stern was broken into pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners. Sorry. You guys were, oh no! <laughs> to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and keep them from carrying out their plan. This is almost, we're almost done. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks and on other pieces of the ship. And in this way, Everyone reached land safely. Woo! Woo! We made it! We made it. Man, 
And I hope that came alive to you. Now, I don't want to over-allegorize this. In fact, Pastor Bobby said, uh, I told him the direction I was headed. He says, don't over-allegorize this story. And I said, I won't. What does that mean? And, uh, <laughs> but anyway, no, I'm just kidding. But anyway, uh, but I, the question is, is what was Luke trying to communicate here in Acts 27? Or yeah, 27. What was the Holy Spirit trying to communicate? And I think there's some things that we can get. And hopefully you enjoyed that a little bit. Now, we can certainly see a courageous leader, Paul, stepping up and really facing a great crisis and taking control. It's an inspiring story where an example of one person's life can make a huge difference, right? It can change the atmosphere. His presence there on the boat saved them big time. But what was Luke trying to communicate in regards to the storm? Well, one of my favorite commentators is Wearsby, and he kind of concluded three things, and I want to share those quickly. The third one I'll expand a little further, but the first kind of statement he made was that storms are a result of disobedience, right? And you look at the story of Jonah and the story of David and even the children of Israel at times when they'd run from God and God would punish them, but then he says no. He says not in this case. Paul, in this story, was not at fault at all. And the point is, is that there are some times in life we will suffer because of the decisions of other people. And it's just the truth. The second thing that he commented is that storms have a way of revealing character. And I love this, and that's absolutely correct. On a negative side, I don't know if you caught it in the story, the sailors, they thought they would get uh, lower the boat. They're pretending to put down anchors, and uh, they were going to get out and sail off and save themselves. And uh, they were really cowards, <laughs> if, you can, if I could say that. And so the negative character was seen there. But on the positive side, we see Paul, the Apostle Paul, trusting God and obeying the will of God. I love that, the character. Think about it in the storms of life, which we all experience. Um, the best and the worst of us come out. Isn't that the truth? The third thing Wearsby says is that storms can give us opportunities to step up and to serve and to share our faith. And that's where I want to focus for the next few moments. That's exactly what Paul does in this circumstance. Paul was one of the prisoners. He was one of the, the, one of the few on the ship, but uh, kind of the lowest on the ship. But the reality in that circumstance, Paul ended up being the most valuable man on the ship. He knew how to pray. He had faith in God. He was in touch with the Holy Spirit, right? And he took the opportunity. He stepped up. And he, he led the crew in a difficult situation. Now, I am going to allegorize a bit, um, and this is a big point that I want to drive home, is that Paul, I believe, was prepared for the storm. He was prepared for what God put him in in that circumstance. Look at it, verse 20. It says, When the neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, it says, We finally gave up all hope of being saved. Everybody thought it was over, except for the Apostle Paul. And when we look at Paul's example throughout Scripture and his track record, the things that he had been through and continue, he was like the Energizer Bunny. You couldn't keep him down. Last week, we looked at the verse that God helped me to this very day in chapter 26. 
and you look at Paul's life, and step by step, God had prepared Paul for moments just like this. His background, his training, growing up and being a Pharisee, his salvation story, being filled with the Holy Spirit, his prayer language. He had faith and trust in God. And I just, you look at Paul's life, he was prepared for this moment. Just a side note, when I put in my notes, why would others want to put their trust or faith in God if we don't trust in Him? Think about that. What kind of storms are you facing? Are you putting your faith in God, your confidence, your trust, your dependence on the Holy Spirit? Or are you frantic and unstable and tossed to and fro by the waves and the sea? Well, Paul was rock solid, and he had a track record, and I believe he was prepared for this moment. He was prepared. And then when I thought about being prepared, I wondered what other kind of things, what other kind of activities, what other kind of situations need preparation in life? What kind of other situations? And I thought of in the boating world, the Coast Guard and the Navy, how they prepare even out at sea. They would never venture out without proper preparation. So they do drill after drill. They study. They do mock situations. They create these worst case scenarios so they are prepared when the storm comes. You tracking with me? The same is true with the police and firefighters. They create these worst-case scenarios, preparation. They make sure they know how to shoot a gun, how to defuse a situation. They know how to uh, handle um, someone that is dangerous so that when the storm comes, when the danger that's imminent is there, they're ready to make a move. Preparation is the key. You, You tracking with me? And then I was thinking, okay, well, what about this crazy marathon that me and eight others from the church are doing in a couple weeks? You don't just show up to a marathon. <laughs> Bruce? <clears throat> See, there's nine of us, and in a couple weeks, we're going to help build water wells by raising funds, and most of us have been on an 18-week plan to train. That's the wisdom, Bruce. <clears throat> it's for the muscle memory. It's for, to go through the pain and the practice and the hard days, and there are easy days. Um, on the marathon journey, the, we are tracking. I don't know if you added these up, Mike. Mike is one of those running with us. It'll be close to 500 miles logged before the race. That's a lot of training. You say, why do you have to do so many miles? Well, it's so when you show up on race day, you are prepared for anything. That's the goal. That you've had the cramps and you've walked through those or ran through those. You've, had the, you've experienced the aches and the pains and the sicknesses and the stomach issues, which I had last week, which I'll spare you the details. But the idea is that the preparation is key to finishing a marathon or a half marathon. And then I thought, man, what if we took our spiritual walk with the Lord as serious as preparing for a marathon or preparing for 
the Coast Guard or Navy or the police force or the fire force. And I'm not saying not in a legalistic way, like we just check off all the boxes. Yep, we did this, 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 and this. Now God is pleased with us because he's already pleased with us. That's not the point. But out of our love for God, that we would be prepared in our lives? Would it help us with the storms of life if we had a prayer life, a communication with God, a discipline to spend time communicating with Jesus? Absolutely. How about being in the Word of God, you know, whether it's our soap reading or in other ways, or Scripture memory? How many of you remember memorizing Scriptures as a kid, and years later, those Scriptures come to mind when just at the right time when you need it? That's the power of God's Word. Wouldn't that help in the storms of life? Or serving in an area to create strength and participating in community. I was thinking about our connect groups, Pastor Bobby, that are up and going. And uh, Pastor Bruce, sorry about dogging you about the marathon. You're going to make it, man. They've got ambulances there, and you're going to be just fine. (laughs) But anyway, with these connect groups, um, there's accountability that comes and strength and a love and a support. I was talking with the staff about that, and uh, one, of the, uh, one of the staff said, if you wait until you need someone to talk to, it's too late. You need to be in community, and it takes time to build those relationships. And so for those of you that are in, in our connect groups, finish strong. We're over halfway there, and uh, go deep and love each other well. And uh, for those of you that are hosting those groups, enjoy the process. But I was thinking in the storms of life when it comes to marriage, instead of just having your marriage on autopilot, thinking, just bopping along, thinking it's going to be fine, and then all of a sudden, you know, everything hits the roof, and, and you want to throw in the towel. How many have been there before, right? Listen, if we were prepared, if we did the work that's necessary in relationships, and I thought, what about even in our, in our giving? being obedient to Scripture, being faithful in our tithes, which we mentioned earlier before I was preaching. You know what the Bible says? When we are faithful to the Lord and we honor Him first, He's going to take care of our needs. He's going to safeguard our finances. It's just the truth. See, when we are prepared for the storms of life, it doesn't mean that the storms go away, but we can make it through that much easier. Now back to my story in this crazy event that we thought we might die. It might have been goodbye to the Vey family, to the five of us. My dad, he came back and he was pretty shaken by the event. And it was scary. And uh, some of you know what it's like being out on the sea and thinking that you might not make it. And he decided to go through some training, some boater training, to the point where he actually became a captain, where he could actually man a, like an 80 or 90 foot ship is the certification that he got. And we, used to, and we called him Captain Dan and got him a hat. It was great. And he did that because he wanted to be prepared for the next time. And thankfully, there was never a next time that was all that bad. But he went through all kinds of training saying, you know what, I'm not going to put my family at risk like that. And one of the things he learned is that every captain knows you better make sure you know how to face the storm. It's just the truth. Because storms are inevitable. They will pop up, and it can happen overnight. I was uh, 
it, I was thinking about this, and or I was listening to one pastor talk about this particular passage this week, and he said, and you've heard this before, either you're you're coming out of a storm, you're in a storm, or you're about to head into a storm. That's just life. That's our, the human reality. And the reality is we, the better prepared we are, the better we're going to face those things. I'm going to ask the praise and worship team to come and back join me. Let's think about this from a spiritual standpoint. Certainly it starts with a salvation commitment to, our, to the Lord um, getting our heart right with Jesus. But then it, it goes on from beyond that, out of our love for the Lord, and we know His Word. And then it's prayer, communicating with God, being filled with the Holy Spirit, using our prayer language. Um, when we don't know what to pray in the storm, we pray in the Spirit, and God helps us through. The faith and the trust that Paul exhibited is a great example. We can relate that to our relationships, to our finances, you name it, to different categories of our life. Maybe it's the tool, uh, the preparation of forgiveness and learning how to forgive or living with humility or the extra mile principle. The question I want us to grapple with as we bring this to a close is where is your preparation lacking in regards to spiritual things? The reality is, all of us, we may be doing good in some areas, we may be failing in others, or just we need to move the needle to a stronger position. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you in regards to the storms of life? Where is it that you could put a little more energy a little more study, a little more time, so you're better prepared. This morning, I believe, or this afternoon, I guess at this point, I believe the Holy Spirit can drop a nugget, one idea for you to hold on to. And I'm praying that he does just that. We're going to transition to a song. The song is called Cornerstone. We haven't done this song in a long time, but it's such a great song. And the idea in the song, it talks about the storms of life, but the big idea is that we are anchored in our trust and in our faith in who Jesus is. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. And what I'd like us to do is to think about the one takeaway, the one thing. We can all identify something. And when you identify that one thing, I want you to stand at once you do, and join the worship team, and we'll sing the song with that perspective, saying, you know what? This is the area of preparation that I'm lacking spiritually, and I'm going to give my best in this area. And so without further ado, what's the one area that you're lacking? Well, just one takeaway, one nugget that you're going to dive into. And uh, then once you identify that, I want you to stand and sing the song, and then we'll close here in a minute. Father, we just acknowledge that the storms of life are inevitable. They will come and they will go. But Lord, you can help us to be prepared to face anything that the world would send our way. And Lord, I pray that we would work on that preparation piece, being faithful in our time with you, our communication with you, 
being faithful in the word in the word of God and being faithful to do what your word says in regards to humility and in regards to forgiveness in regards to our the way we treat each other Lord you are going to safeguard marriages because we're going to be prepared you're going to safeguard our finances because we're honoring your word Lord, good days are ahead. Clear sailing is ahead, I declare it. And we thank you for that. And we rejoice in that. Thank you. With everybody's head bowed and eyes closed before we conclude the service, just want to speak to those that may be here that don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, we want to offer you the free gift of salvation. The Bible says in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. And listen to this. This is important for somebody this morning. Verse 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. In other words, I want you to see that as God is not up in heaven, disgusted with you, frustrated, mad at you. He loves you, and he's desiring a relationship with you. He didn't send his son to condemn, to bring condemnation, but to save. And if you're ready to receive that salvation this morning, would you just slip up your hand right where you are? I want to pray with you. Second service here, who is God speaking to in regards to the salvation message? Maybe you've served the Lord in the past, but you're away from him and you want to come back. Slip up your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out, but who is it this morning? Anybody second service? We're believing that God is moving. This, this week, uh, one of our exchange students gave his heart to the Lord, which we, we rejoice with that family. But anyone here, second service, ready to receive Jesus? I don't see any hands. So let me have your eyes on me here just for a moment. Like I said earlier, either we're coming out of a storm, we're in a storm, or we're going to head into a storm again at some point. That's just the facts of life. But listen, these storms do not have to send us into unstable frenzy. There's a stability that comes when we're anchored in Jesus and we're anchored in his word. And that's my heart for each and every one of us. Let me pray for that anchor to hold in your life before we go. Lord, we thank you that you are all that matters. Lord, we pray that your hand would be with us. Strengthen us for the tasks at hand, for what's coming, what we are going to face. And Lord, I pray that you would just go before us, behind us, and all around us. We give you the praise. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. We love you very much. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.